This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about boxed wine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) One of my very favorite things. I call it one of my food groups. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, It's my preferred Tuesday drink, which is what my friend calls them. And we're actually going to get into this a little bit later um, but that that basically just means when you don't want to open like a nice bottle of wine or what whatever you're just oh, looking okay. for an you easy just, drink. Yeah, yeah. You just you're you're having dinner. You're unwinding after your day of work, and you just you just want you just want a nice drink. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to use something that costs you a, a significant amount. Uh, yeah, you're, you're not like, feeling fancy yet. Sure. Yeah, exactly. It's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday, as they say. <laughs> uh, I have a very fun memory. Because I feel like for me, box wine has been a, a recent, like in the past four, three or four years kind of thing. Yeah. But I do have a very fun memory of my second time in New York City, which was, I don't know, 2009. It was a long okay. time ago. Okay. All right. Um, and trekking way the heck out towards Columbia University for this Chinese restaurant that was well-reviewed. But more importantly, it had free Franzia. Uh, which was a thing that uh, all of us, I, who, all my friends who were with me and me, myself, we grew up in a small town. That was not, you didn't get free Franzia <laughs> at a Chinese restaurant. So we were acting as if this was the the fanciest thing we could imagine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, 
And we were determined to have this experience. And it was lovely. <laughs> they definitely tried to cut us off after, oh. like, we had two. Uh, yeah, and we weren't getting wild, but I think they just weren't used to people really taking them up on the free yes. Franzia issue. Okay. Yes. <laughs> But we, that's why we were there. <laughs> um, yeah, we would not be stopped. We kept asking, and they were like, ugh. Um, but the food was also delicious. The food was also good. <laughs> good. That's good yes. to hear. Yes. Also, um, me and our, our good friend Lyle, co-worker, friend, um, we snuck a whole box of wine. Oh, my gosh. Like three liters? Yes. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> into the last Avengers movie. Um it was Trader Joe's, and I don't normally get Trader Joe's box wine, and they have a different spigot situation. Sure. And I couldn't figure it out in the dark, and oh. uh, it was quite tragic. It wasn't until, like, the final battle at the end where uh, Lyle helped me out. <laughs> <laughs> we also, me and Lyle, uh, we used to watch Game of Thrones together, and that was always a box wine situation. Oh sure, they yeah. are easily transportable. Um, uh, during during this very pandemic that we are experiencing, um, a dear friend of mine, Stacy, <laughs> uh, called me called me up one evening and was like, "Hey, I I miss your face. Can I drop by?" And I was like, "Of course, we can socially distance out in my in my backyard." Um, and she pulls up. And she's one of those like tiny ladies with like a big truck and she pulls up in her big truck and she like dismounts from the truck and <laughs> pulls out with her this full box of wine, <laughs> full like, yeah, like three liter box of wine. And mm -hmm. she's just like, it's so good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had a lovely evening. It was so great. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's so convenient and uh, especially during the pandemic when, at least for me, I only shop once every two weeks. And yeah. I don't want to buy a bunch of glass bottles of wine um, and transport those. Yeah. And also, as a single person living alone, I don't generate a lot of trash, which actually produces a lot of problems for me. <laughs> a lot of interesting things. Um, so for a while... My trash was mostly wine bottles. I know that sounds very bad, but it would just build up over <laughs> over weeks and weeks and weeks because I yeah. just don't generate a lot of trash. And uh, yeah, that's very heavy and very it risky. Is. So yeah. the box is just better for that. It it is it is in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I similarly only got into box wine maybe about yeah like three or four years ago, um, and. It, it it happened after I had moved into my current living situation, which is I have a roommate. And at the time, we had two neighbors um, who are very good friends of ours right next door, like spitting distance. Um, and so we would cook dinner together a lot. And uh, all four of us enjoy imbibing alcohol. Um, and frequently, recipes do call for at least a little bit of, of wine, maybe to just deglaze a pan or something like that. And... And I, and I just realized I was like, oh man, like this, it's not economical. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. do bottles of wine right now. And I, you know, and, and especially like, like we're, we're all like working artists. So I was just like, let's just, let's switch to boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> Me either, friend. <laughs> I've looked back a couple of times. I, <laughs> but. 
You immediately <laughs> retracted your statement. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't mean to leave you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I've never looked back. And that's not to say I, I don't still enjoy, especially as Lauren knows, as probably most of you listeners know, I love a damn theme. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So if I find a wine bottle, like there was one called like, oh, what was it? No Hope. I was like, oh, I've got to get that one. <laughs> oh, geez. I've got to. Um, <laughs> Oof. All yeah. right. So yeah. if it's got a good name or a good label, and I'm not shy about admitting that, um, I will get it. <laughs> That's all right. As as even like most of the like snotty wine humans will say, the best wine is what you like drinking. And so if that label brings you joy, then buy that wine. Yeah. And, you know, box wine. Also brings me a lot of joy. Me too. <laughs> All this to say, as always, drink responsibly. Uh-huh. Yes. And I will admit, um, we we mostly always do this show stone cold sober. Any wackiness that ensues is is just normal. Is just yep. <laughs> just yep. everyday us. Mm-hmm. But in honor of this very episode, both Annie and I have small glasses of boxed wine. <laughs> Yes. So, cheers, Annie. Cheers, Lauren. And cheers to you, listeners. Cheers. If you so choose, if you are of legal drinking age and have such a thing in your house um, and feel like it right this very moment, feel free to join us. Yeah. Or don't. It's got full, a lot of intrigue uh, in this one. Oh, this one goes places. Twists and turns. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This is like the closest episode that we've done to like a true crime yeah. podcast. Um and Ooh. we've and we've hit on we've hit on some weird stories in some episodes. Yeah. But this one, oh, there's yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. Mm-hmm. Well this this brings us to our question. Yes. <laughs> Belatedly in fact, probably. Yes. <laughs> Boxed wine. What is it? Well, uh boxed wine is more technically a bag in a box wine. It's wine packaged in a in a sturdy double layered plastic bag, usually fitted with a plastic spigot, um, and usually sold in a cardboard box, meant to function as a sort of cask that you that you pull the spigot out through and then pour individual units of wine from. Um, that plastic is usually number seven plastic for any material science folks. It's a wide category of mixed plastics, um, and. You know, it's actually quite a clever way to package wine. Um, You know, bags and boxes are less fragile than glass and lighter weight, um, so they're easier to store and to transport. Um, The spigot lets very little air in. It's not like a total vacuum inside the bag, but it's close enough. Um, And air contacting wine isn't good, and it will do two not good things. Um, It'll cause oxidation, um, which is the contact of oxygen with stuff in bad ways, um, and it can allow bacteria to grow both of which can create all sorts of um, off or flat flavors in wine as quickly as overnight. If anyone has ever opened a bottle of wine, drank like half of it, and maybe forgotten to like put the cork back in or something, like, you know, like it can, yeah. it can happen real fast. Um, and of course, you can put the cork back in and prevent that um, or, or get one of those fancy pumps, like little vacuum pumps that, that pumps the air out. Um, but this is a built-in feature of boxed wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, there are downsides, though. Um, you cannot keep an unopened 
box of wine the same way that you could a bottle. Um, like glass is real impenetrable. And, and a well-sealed cork or, or screw cap does real good too. Um, but but even a sturdy bag, air will seep into over time. You also, you like have to remember that there's wine in there. <laughs> um, it's not like just a cardboard box, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like like things like heat and light and vibration will affect that wine over time. And bag-and-box wines are more vulnerable to heat damage than bottles are. So you're going to want to keep it in a cool, dark place if you don't have a wine fridge or a wine cellar that will keep it right around 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees Celsius. Just pop it in your fridge, whether it's a red or a white, you know. Oh, I love the idea of having a fancy wine cellar and box wine. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. If I ever if I ever have one of those fancy wine fridges, I'm definitely going to like stock it with little <laughs> tetra packs of yes, <laughs> wine juice boxes. <laughs> um, uh but but yeah, um all that being said, Keep, keep in mind that, like, there's this concept that, that wine is meant to be aged, and a lot of wine really isn't. Like, right. over 90% of especially the wine that we drink in America um, is not meant to be aged. Many wines, even outside of America, are best when they're fresh. So, yeah. Yeah. Boxed wine is cheaper, like, per, per unit, um, uh, per ounce, than, than bottled wine. Um, sometimes a lot cheaper, like, like... I think I pay an average of like 16 bucks for three liters, yeah. which averages out to not a lot per bottle. Um, but but you can also find three liter boxes um, for like 30 or 40 or $90. Um, so it's not always poor quality wine. Yeah. And there are related technologies um, like the aforementioned uh, Tetra Packs, like uh, th- those little screw cap cartons, you know, little like uh, multi-layer things that are like juice boxes. Um, usually they hold like a quarter or half a liter or, or just a single liter. And do not knock those juice boxes. Um, scientifically speaking, <laughs> they're pretty cool. Uh, research has shown that they can actually help eliminate some compounds in wine that contribute to like off or green flavors. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I remember once Dylan and I went to go see uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is one of my very favorite <laughs> films of all time. It's a good film. And uh, I produced one of these Tetra Packs to him, and he gave <laughs> me this look like I was the most amazing person <laughs> that I had, like, pulled off such a feat. And we had a lovely time slowly sipping Aww. our Tetra Packs of wine watching that movie. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm admitting that I sneak a lot of things into movie theaters. <laughs> you are. That's. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Don't come for me, please. Oh no, I'm. Hmm. Yeah. I get these days. I'm more likely to get a can of wine than a tetra pack of wine if I'm gonna go for a single unit. But I feel like the thing with the can, though, is you have to wait for a loud moment to to pop it, or at least oh, I I'm do because I'm shy. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not only talking about sneaking things into movie theaters. Um, I, just if I'm I, if I'm going to be out and about, and I'm like, what would be nice during this time would be an alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. Canned wine is high on my list, also because canned wine can come in sparkling formats. That's yes, truth. That is truth. Um. At any rate, we do have some numbers. Well, okay, okay. Uh, I guess I guess nutrition. Sure. Uh, what about the nutrition? Uh, drink responsibly. Um, yes. <laughs> done and done. 
Wine is not a health food. <laughs> I know. So that's debatable. Like a little bit is good. A lot probably isn't good. I, I feel like I've said my theory on here before, but I have a theory that um, scientists and no, no shade on any scientists who've participated in these studies, but I just see such conflicting uh, headlines about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there was one in particular where it was like the best uh, post-workout drink is a hoppy beer. And I was like, you just want to drink beer after a workout, don't you? <laughs> and you're trying to prove that it's good. That's okay. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure <laughs> why you'd be conducting this study. <laughs> that it's a totally unbiased um, representation. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I see. There, there, There is a wide range, and I don't have the specific research in front of me right now, but, but there is a wide range of research that does indicate that, um, especially over the course of, like, a lifetime amount of time, um, having like a glass of, uh, of of wine or similar per day can can help just basically chill you out. <laughs> just chill you out. Just yeah. chill you out, um, and 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 therefore live a little bit longer and a little bit healthier. Um, but you know, there's all kinds of ups and downs, and yes. you know, so sure, drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. And this brings us to numbers. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of the big selling points of boxed wine is that it is more ecologically friendly than bottled wine. So for every 750 milliliters, boxed wine produces about half the CO2 emissions as compared to bottled. By some accounts, it produces 80% less landfill waste. Mm-hmm. And it lasts longer, up to six weeks. Um, the shipping and material costs are lower, allowing for a lower price point. It, it's easier to transport, which is a big part of it. Um, that I didn't necessarily put together, but yeah, yeah, because the containers are so much um, lighter in weight than mm-hmm. um, than glass bottles. Uh, numbers might be different now, but back in two thousand eight, the New York Times ran this op-ed that estimated that that first of all, ninety seven percent of American wines are meant to be drunk within a year, and that therefore switching to boxing those wines would reduce greenhouse emissions by two million tons a year, roughly. The, the same as getting 400,000 cars off the road. Wow. Yeah. In Australia, boxed wine sales, or wine cask, as they're called down there, account for almost half of all wine sales. Huh. And in the 90s, that number was as high as two-thirds. Oof. Europe also enjoys their fair share of box wine, including boxes offered by smaller producers. In Finland, Norway, and Sweden, box wine makes up over half of all wine sales. Hmm. But it is a different story in the U.S. Um, For a long time, boxed wine has not had a great reputation here. I found what now, to me at least, (laughs) um, feels like a hilarious article on Eater from 2011 called Will Boxed Wine Ever Make It in America? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes. Yes, I know, I know, I know. It's so funny to me. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, a part of this is due to Franzia. I feel like I say it so fancy. Is it Franzia or Franzia? I've always said it Franzia, but I've never looked it up, to be fair. Okay, okay. I think it's Franzia, and I'm just really (laughs) making it into a thing. Uh, okay, so Franzia is the world's best-selling table wine by volume as of 2011. Until recently, there were only about 30 box wines easily available in the United States. In 2015, Franzia did about $325 million of sales in the U.S. Oof. alone. Uh-huh. 
But also, boxed wine has long been associated with things like slap bag, which is a drinking game (laughs) that calls for pulling the plastic bag out, slapping it, and drinking as much as you can. I've never heard of this. Uh, Had you heard of it? Me neither. Nope, nope. But lots of articles mentioned it. Yeah, and I uh, was talking with one of our coworkers, and he was shocked that I'd never heard of it. So I guess, I guess it is a thing. There you go. Uh Uh-huh. The quick adoption in Europe of box wines as compared to the United States is in part due to the history and prevalence of house wines, which are simple, well-made bulk wines. Mm-hmm. But box wine in the United States and in general, the popularity of it is on the rise. Yeah, uh, specifically during this pandemic, um, the the lockdown drove this huge increase in boxed wine sales. The the week of March 7th in the United States, boxed wine sales were up 53% versus that week the previous year. In Canada, March sales overall were up 77% versus March of 2019. Even in France, there was a 43% uptick. Wow. I, so... Uh, I, a lot of us probably remember uh, the last day before we started quarantine. Mine was March yeah. 13th. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Kroger next to our office and I was going to get box wine and there was none. Oh, there no. Was no yeah. box wine. There was a run on it in my grocery store, too. Mm hmm. Yep. But, but aside from that, Yes. In 2015, 3-liter wine box sales jumped by 14% and 12% by volume. That same year, the sale of premium box wines went up by 75%. Ooh. Yeah. Each year of this decade, the boxed wine sector has grown by at least 20%. That's wild. Uh, according to Michael Petrio of VRAC Upscale Boxed Wine, after trying all sorts of tricks to convince people boxed wine could be good here in the United States, sales of his product went up by 50% every year after he introduced a rosé huh. in 2008, which I find really interesting. Power of the rosé, y'all. The rosé. Mm-hmm. Other companies have used actual wooden boxes for boxed wine. yeah. It's not like a, like an old growth oak or something like that. It's it's you know, but it it lends it an a little bit more of an air of uh, of, re- of respectability, I suppose. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, oh, speaking of respectability, millennials. <laughs> hmm. We ha- in particular have adopted box wine, perhaps because we don't have the ingrained prejudices against. The boxed wine of the 80s. Not so much. Not as much, yeah. Yeah. uh, And we like wine. A 2015 market research Hmm. report found that we millennials accounted for 42% of wine consumption that year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a 2012 study found that 65% of millennials drink wine every day of the week or most days of the week, and that they drink more in one sitting, almost three glasses on average. Hmm. Um, Some... People speculate this is also due to worse financial prospects millennials face, not the uh, drinking wine more per se, but the boxed The boxed wine, wine. sure. Yeah. yeah, it is frequently less expensive. Yes, yes indeed. And it has a fascinating history. Oh my heck it does. And we are going to get into it as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Mm-hmm. 
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So I want to preface this one by saying, when we were batting around this idea, I said, surely this episode will be short, because the history starts in the 1960s. Sure. Wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> uh, lots of things have happened in the world of boxed wine. Um, they they have, and there is intrigue, um, as so we much. hinted at at the top. Um, and and this is this is one of those that is like really mostly just Annie talking. <laughs> um, and uh, so to you know both both you listeners and to Annie. Like, like you're welcome. Like this, <laughs> I feel like this is a delightful rabbit hole that you fell down. I, so. It absolutely was. I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> I felt like a detective, uh, the most nerdy <laughs> food podcasting detective. Uh, okay, so okay. yes, the history of bag and box wine goes back to Australia in the 1960s. Though, okay, the, the innovation is thanks to an American inventor named William R. Scholl in the 1940s. He came up with a box that would provide structure to an airtight, collapsible plastic bladder 
with Mm -hmm. an also airtight built-in spigot. This allowed for easier stacking, transporting, and dispensing of liquid. But Australian winemaker Thomas Angove patented the cask wine, or bag-in-a-box wine, in 1965. According to Medium, the early design was a bit tricky. Folks had to trim an end of the bag, get their wine, uh, fit it back in the box, and clip the end back together. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. th- this reminds me of when you get to the end of the, the box, you know, and mm-hmm. you're like, I, I'm a clipper. I take the bag out, clip an edge, but I most of my friends just uh, mess with it until it comes out the spigot. Yeah, um, it is scientifically, you are correct, Annie. You should you should trim an, an, an end of the bag and that will um, release the vacuum and release more of the wine. But sometimes it's just so satisfying to mess with that spigot. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta weigh where you want your satisfaction to come from. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. but yes. at any rate, yes, at any rate, uh, the even though this early design was tricky, it was cheaper than other wines and spirits, so people really went for it. Uh, when box wine made the jump to Europe, Europeans were skeptical at first. Uh, we know they're kind of protective of their wine, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it was believed only cheap and not so great tasting wines went into bags. But it didn't take long for that to change. But okay. Let's go back to 1900 and talk about Franzia specifically for a second. And the Franzia and Gallo families here behind some of our most ubiquitous wines from Andre to Charles Shaw to Barefoot to Cupcake to so many more names that you would recognize. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So in 1900, 21-year-old Teresa Carrera accepted a marriage proposal intended for another woman. Uh <laughs> Yep, in part because it came with a transatlantic boat ticket. This betrothal um, was to new to California 29-year-old Giuseppe Franzia, who sent the the woman in Italy he had in mind to be his new wife an offer. Like, please come, here's some money. Um, But this woman thought the $100 for the journey was not not enough money for her. Yeah, yeah, so she turned it down. She turned it down. But Teresa was down. She was down for it. Uh, And she stepped in to claim the offer. I'm still a little hazy on if she just sort of showed up. (laughs) She contacted him at all. Um, But anyway, they they married three days after she arrived, um, something they had to bribe a priest to accomplish. In 1906, they bought a ranch near San Francisco and started growing grapes. Legend goes that Teresa was a powerhouse, working in the fields, helping build the wineries, and by some stories, had one or more of her eight children in the vineyards and got right back to work. Oh my gosh. Nah. Nah, indeed. Um, Counterintuitively, they ended up doing a, a really booming business during Prohibition due to a rule that allowed for the selling of grapes for private consumption of wine, up to 200 gallons. They shipped a lot of grapes. Mm-hmm. A 1951 survey found that American wine consumption actually went up during Prohibition. Wow. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these grapes went to the East Coast, and Chicago was a hub for shipping them, which meant that a lot of grape sellers had to deal with the gangster Al Capone. Oh, I feel like he comes up more than I ever would have imagined. In, in a food show? Yes. I love I love it. Yes. 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 Uh, so once he received these perishable grapes, Capone would frequently coerce growers to lower their prices because otherwise mm. they'd go bad 
and then they wouldn't get anything for them. These grapes then went to a network of winemakers under Capone who would turn them into a very sweet and like viscous, thick red wine, which he rumored has it that he always had a bottle on him. I don't know about that, but <laughs> that's how the story uh-huh. goes. Um, once Prohibition came to an end, Teresa knew that they had to adapt. They had to adapt their business. So while her husband was away, <laughs> she decided to mortgage the ranch and launch the Franzia Brothers Winery. And that wasn't all. She also gave her son-in-law, Ernest Gallo, $5,000 seed money so he could start his own winery. Okay, so stepping back a bit to 1930, Gallo was in pursuit of Amelia Franzia. Oh, one of, uh, one of Teresa's daughters, yeah. Yes. He might have, and almost certainly probably did, have <laughs> ulterior motives because he'd expressed anger that he had not been made partner of his family's grape-growing and distribution business like the Franzias had done. Amelia and Gallo were married in 1931 despite Amelia's father's reservations about him. And Amelia later lamented, Ernest married me for my family's winery. When he couldn't get that, he put them out of business. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much intrigue is coming. Okay. By many accounts, Ernest Gallo was tough, calculating, and manipulative. His father and uncle took up residence in California and saw a business opportunity for selling bulk, sweetened, homemade wine in saloons. So they established the Gallo Wine Company in 1906. They were both after this pair of sisters, the Biancos, whose parents just so happened to own a winery. Just so happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ernest's father, Joe, married Susie Bianco in 1908. And her father also did not approve of this, <laughs> by the way. Um, <laughs> Joe's brother, Mike, married Cecilia Bianco a year later. Um, And and Joe was not a good husband. Um, Or a good person. No, No. he was really terrible. He abused Susie even when she was pregnant with Ernest, and he was also verbally abusive. In 1910, she tried to divorce from Joe, but it didn't go through. And they had two more children, two more sons. Anticipating prohibition, Joe sold their wine distribution business and swapped it out for grape growing. But... He wasn't good at it. He wasn't good at growing grapes. And uh, he worked and abused his children in the fields. So on the side with his brother, he had they had this bootlegging gig. They were raided once, but Mike, his brother, turned over dozens of cops that had accepted bribes. So he had these connections in the police department, and they huh. were let off the hook. Some, ah. I know. Oh, some described Mike as the West Coast equivalent of Al Capone. Wow. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Joe solidified a reputation of producing a good quality wine, which two of his three children testified was not produced illegally. Uh huh. <laughs> when the third, but. yeah, when but when the third said otherwise, they sued him for trademark infringement. Uh, and more on that. Punitive in a second. trademark infringement suing. I love yeah. it. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, Ernest sometimes went to Chicago to sell grapes. And he really made himself integral into the business. However, his father didn't appreciate his efforts. And all of this festering resentment and rage culminated in 1930. A heated argument between uh, the father and the two older sons, including Ernest, resulted in Joe threatening to kill his wife when she tried to moderate and the two older sons fleeing the farm. Who? Yeah. At the same time. 
Parts of the Volstead Act were overruled in 1929, allowing for grape growers to sell, quote, grape juice concentrate, in part due to the lobbying of California grape growers. The Chicago mob did not like this, though. No. Nope. Capone was used to controlling the grapes. Um, In retaliation, some growers received death threats from him. And this reached such a boiling point that the FBI had to step in and started interviewing grape growers and shippers, including Joe Gallo. Several raids came Mike's way, and Joe and Susie uh, moved near Modesto, entrusting their oldest two sons to care for their youngest son. And uh, in 1933, a farmhand discovered Susie dead, a bullet to the back of her head. Um, it was widely reported she died feeding the hogs. Hmm. Yeah. Joe was dead, too. The official theory was that he'd killed himself. But conspiracy theories and speculation ran rampant. Um, like, pointing out why they moved, and some people said it sounded like they were going underground, um, pointing to death threats. The connection to Mike's large bootlegging business, the yeah, the seeming sudden move, some suspicious fingerprint analysis, the shooting of the family dogs. Oh, what? Yeah, nah. yeah, uh, and behavior the day before just didn't match up. Like they paid their taxes or something. Like just kind of hmm. odd. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So okay. Following this, Ernest and Julio, the two oldest Gallo sons, founded E&J Gallo Winery, and their specialty was cheap wine that appealed to middle and lower class folks. One of Ernest's favorite lines was uh, that he wanted their wine to be like, quote, the Campbell Soup Company of the wine industry. (laughs) He was a big believer that people actually didn't want, like, nice, fancy wine. Huh. Yeah. All right. Um, They just wanted wine. Yeah. 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 Sure. To that end— the brothers figured out how to remove the taste of tannins sometime after World War II uh, to get rid of the woody taste they, that they believed most Americans actually didn't like. They switched out barrels for tanks made of steel. Uh, their product appeared in a spread on wine in a 1945 issue of Life magazine with women uh, stockings removed and skirts lifted, frolicking, stomping on the grapes as men looked longingly on. <laughs> Okay, but now we have to talk about Kool-Aid again. (laughs) Oh, okay, sure. All right, pivot. Because in the 1950s, a company salesman made note that in liquor stores in inner-city black communities, wine port was being sold alongside lemon juice or lemon Kool-Aid packets to cut the sweetness of it. From this, Gallo got the idea for a 21% alcohol lemon-flavored wine blend. He dubbed it Thunderbird. And people... Loved it. 32 million gallons were being made by 1957. The jingle went thusly. What's the word? Thunderbird. What's the price? Three bits twice. (laughs) (laughs) And they reportedly pulled some really shady stunts, like leaving empty bottles in homeless areas to, quote, increase brand awareness. Oh, what? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in part because of this... It got a really bad reputation, and in 1989, there was even a call to limit the sale and drinking of Thunderbird to curtail uh, street drinking and drunkenness. So they did pull out of certain markets in response, but really just avoided engaging in any dialogue about it. Hmm. Because of their increasingly sour reputation, the two older Gallo brothers sued their younger brother, who had a cheese under the name Joseph Gallo Cheese, 
1986. Uh, the dispute over the use of the Gallo name, uh, that's what it was over. But Joseph countersued, claiming he'd been denied his inheritance in the winery. Oh, and so therefore he deserved to be able to use the family name. Yeah. Right. Okay, sure. The case huh. went all the way to the U.S. Court of Appeals, where Joseph ultimately lost. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so according to former CEO of the wine group, Arthur Chucka, in 1999, Teresa provided the seed money for Gallo, which probably does 40% of the wine business in the U.S. For our company, which does about 15% of the wine business in the U.S., and then her grandsons, yes, grandsons, Fred and Joe and John, started the Bronco Winery, which probably does another 5% of the business in the U.S. She's responsible for more than half of the wine business in the United States. Oof. Yeah. Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next time you get one of those wines, um, one of those many, many wines, uh, you'll know. Franzia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, say a say a say a cheer to Teresa. Say a cheer to Teresa. Who uh took up another a marriage proposal met for another woman and <laughs> <laughs> made this a, a, a whole business. For, <laughs> made made an empire. Yeah. Yes, she did. Um, anyway, Congress standardized the 750 milliliter glass bottle in 1979. I feel like we've talked about that before because that's something I'd never really considered about the, the pain of having different standardized bottle sizes. Sure, yeah. Um, during the 1980s, oh, the 80s, Boxed wine grew in popularity in the United States. And this was a time when convenience and food and drink was all the rage. Mm -hmm. And Franzia led the way in terms of cheap boxed wines. Because of that, boxed wine was associated with low-quality, watered-down wine, just as many of the sweet and neon cocktail mixers of the 80s were. Um, and, and we still, Lauren and I talk about that all the time, the dark time of the 80s. The dark 1980s. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like this came up in our uh, New Orleans episode, uh, one of the ones we did with the cocktail bar, um, the the white Zinfandel, which was a popular sure. flavor of Franzia during the 80s. Um, yeah. Which just makes me laugh that people have this memory of, I think Red Blush is one of them, Red Sunset Blush, and the white Zinfandel of Franzia. Um, yeah, just, just, a, just a little bit sweeter, very pink, mm -hmm. um, and not great. <laughs> But available in bulk. <laughs> but available uh, in bulk. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think a part of all of this is to, yeah, the confusion around aging of wine and the assumption that that's always better, which, as you said, Lauren, not, not usually true. Uh, and just in terms of the, the association with wine, I feel like uh, as, it's a refined experience. Oh. Versus other alcohols, yeah. Yeah, it's a ritual. You uncork the bottle, you decant it, you pour it into a specific glass, you swirl it, you observe the legs, you sniff it, you take a taste, you hold it on your tongue. Obviously, not all of us do this. But, you know, there's just sort of a, it has this association, I feel like, as a more refined thing. Not all wines, either, but... <laughs> But but yeah yeah the 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 idea that that is the um, ideal of of consuming a wine is to have that ritual. Yeah, and I think there's definitely some lingering classism hung up in here. Uh, I've I've had friends uh, make fun of my box wine while drinking 
uh, a less than sophisticated bottled wine. And no judgment. No judgment. But I think there's just a disconnect there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, uh, one Megan Kaminsky writing for The Atlantic in 2014 um, opened, opened her article thusly. Uh, she said, After a long day of work filled with meetings and too many emails, there are few things I look forward to as much as the glass of wine that awaits me at home. That evening beverage signals the end of a day's work, accompanying my favorite songs on the stereo and the preparation of dinner. With the gentle pressure of my finger on the rubber spigot, the cardboard box on the kitchen counter steadily fills a glass with Pinot Noir. Wine pours out, splashing around the bottom of the bowl. The plastic bag inside the box contracts, a gentle unwinding, a daily routine. Beautiful. (laughs) Poetic! It can be just as poetic! It can be. I did lol when I got to <laughs> the <laughs> gentle pressure of my finger on the rubber spigot. Like, I knew what was coming. Yes. But yes. It, it's it's quite funny. It's an anyway. excellent line. Um, it wasn't until the 2000s that American wine producers were willing to experiment with higher quality boxed wines. Mm-hmm. And one of the limitations here is access to the filling machinery, which many wineries in the United States uh, that could produce higher quality boxed wine don't have access to. Yeah. Kind of unrelated, but I did want to include that in 2001, New Zealand winemakers launched the New Zealand Screw Cap Initiative because they were sick of corks. Um, (laughs) They met so much resistance. But uh, turns out screw caps actually reduce the risk of spoilage due to cork, and they're cheaper to produce and, you know, easier to open. Um, these days, they make up about 20% of table wine tops, the tops of table wine. And I I love the good popping of a cork, but a screw cap can be mighty nice, especially if you don't have a corkscrew. Oh, right? Oh, that's the saddest thing. If, like, you have a bottle of wine that you're excited yeah. about and you realize suddenly that you do not possess a corkscrew upon your person. Yeah. And I know that there's ways of getting around this. Yeah, but I've done the hairbrush method before. Oh, gosh. It wasn't I don't very like successful. <laughs> um, but I think the reason that came up in several of these articles about box wine is saying, like, people were so against that for a while, but we have moved in that direction, and box wine yeah. is going that way as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of screw caps on on wine. It really, I mean, I mean, cork is is pretty dependable as long as you store a bottle of wine properly. Um, but uh it, it, it helps, if, especially if you're if you're keeping it around for more than a year or something like that. Store it on its side so it gets a little bit of that moisture from the from the wine. But um, but yeah, why not screw cap? Why not screw cap? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, anyway, anyway uh, back to Ernest Gallo for a second. He died in 2007, and at the time, his estimated worth was 1.2 billion dollars. Yep. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, during the, the recession of the aughts, kind of right around that time, boxed wine sales saw a surge in the United States, um, particularly the um, the then popular five liter size, um, the equivalent of like six and two thirds bottles. Um, though by 2011, the now popular three liter, like three and a half bottle size had, uh, had started gaining popularity. Or is that? No, it's four bottles. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Uh, in 2014, a boutique in Paris called Bibo Vino 
became the first wine bar to offer exclusively bag-in-box wine. Huh. Yeah. Nowadays, they have 28 locations around the country with eyes on opening locations around the world. Um, and and BIB, uh, uh, bib, is, is frequently used in the industry to uh, bag-in-box. Yeah, there we go. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the UK's month-long pop-up, BIB Taproom, followed suit in 2015, and a permanent location called Wino BIB was set hmm. to follow. I don't know if that ever happened, uh, but that's what their plans were at the time. Archer Roos, or Ru- it's after Roosevelt, so Rose, uh, <laughs> an upscale Roos, Roos, an upscale box wine company uh, made that made a lot of waves. Launched in the U.S. that same year. Also that year, Amazon began selling boxed wine in the U.K. and sales rose. Uh, 200% year over year for the next oh, few years. You can get boxed wine on Amazon in the UK? Yep. Oh. <laughs> the jealousy is real. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just dealing with that. Yeah, yeah. I had to take a moment. Um, also in 2015, several big, uh, big brands of wine faced a lawsuit over high levels of arsenic in their products. Brands like Sutterholm, Franzia, and Charles Shaw, to name a few. There were a bunch of them. However, the lawsuit was dismissed, and it was determined you'd have to be drinking a lot of boxed wine specifically to suffer any ill effects. And on top of that, if you were drinking that much boxed wine, you probably had other issues that were more concerning. Yeah, more Present, yeah, sure. Yes. Um, and this actually happened to me. Uh, I was having a private conversation with my mom inside of a uh, shop in our small town in Georgia. And um, it was a wine shop. And I was just telling my mom, like, oh, I've gotten into box wine. And the mm-hmm. purveyor there immediately pounced on me and was like, arsenic. Do you know there's <laughs> arsenic? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> My mom's looking at me in horror. <laughs> uh, people, people around that area that that is up in the up in the wine hills of Georgia, and yes, we do have uh, wine hills here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And if you have not heard us say it on the show before, yes, the slogan of the area is "There's wine in them, there hills." <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but 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 yeah, they do take wine very seriously, and I can see them being yes, just yes, just shocked, shocked. Pearl-clutchingly yes. shocked that this at the idea of you drinking box wine. Silly millennial. <laughs> I do think it's a very big divide because even when I, uh, back in ye olden days, when I went to that Chinese restaurant to get free Franzia with my <laughs> food, uh, I didn't have the association with boxed wine as sort of uh, something you should avoid that was lower class or wasn't good. Um, hmm. I thought Franzian specifically maybe <laughs> was cheap. Huh. But uh, I've never had the association with box wine in that way. And it's always, to me, been more about convenience. Huh. Um, I'm... I, I've, I'm I'm just a, just a few years older than you. And I, and I do have that association with box wine being bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and necessarily being just like white Zinfandel all the way down. <laughs> right. Um... But uh, 
But but that that being said, like like once. Yeah, like they they they're they're making and there are like I've had boxes of wine that have not been great. Yeah, um, sure. I've been like, wow, I'm gonna save this for cooking because I'm not drinking anymore, yeah. <laughs> or not without like ice and maybe like bitters and yeah. like something to make it okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but but no, but no, I've I've had plenty of just fine boxed wine too. So yeah, and I would love to one day sample one of these uh, a fancier. Yeah. Lines. Oh, we should get some for a socially distanced hangout. We should. We'll get our oysters, get our box <laughs> wine. This sounds like the best time. Love it. Yes. Let's do it. Yes. yes. Okay. I feel like that's what we have to say about box wine today. It is. Um, we do have some listener mail for you, though. Uh, but first, we are going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Okay, so I really failed at that, but I've had the song... um, Red, red wine stuck in my head ever <laughs> since we've started doing this. 
<laughs> and I have such a delightful um, character for you to meet in our D&D campaign. And I absolutely cannot wait for you to meet her. Um, but I've had this song stuck in my head for a long time is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I didn't get that it was that song, but... Um, yeah, that was, it was but, not bad. No, it's okay. No, it's all right. That's, you know, this is not a music show. <laughs> That's true. I've always said that I'm slightly above average at singing, but I will give myself no more than that. <laughs> I'm a solid slightly above. I, yeah, I, we, we, we both, we both have fun. <laughs> I think that's the key. See, I figured out how to do virtual karaoke, but my biggest hang-up about it is you're not singing into a microphone anymore. So oh, you can yeah. really hear um, who you can really hear yeah. your your faults and where you don't hit those notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it takes a, a level of courage. Perhaps a box wine would help in that matter. Um so we have not only do we have two <laughs> salt and pepper shaker e- letters, they're both T-Rex themed salt and pepper <laughs> shaker letters, which I love. Melissa wrote, I was so excited to hear about Lauren's lone T-Rex salt shaker from Target because I think I have the same one and his pepper twin. I've attached oh. a photo of them facing off against the OG house predator, Minx, a.k.a. Minxasaurus, the cat. Let me know <laughs> if you have the same dapper dude. I believe it's the same. Before I stumbled upon these guys, I had been making do with one lonely skull shaker. I saw him, the last of his kind, in the clearance section of a home goods store, and I had to have him. For years, it was just him and a nondescript pepper grinder from the grocery store. Even though I now have a matching pair, I keep the old guy around as a conversation piece. No idea why all my shakers seem to be men. It just feels right. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you not to. I mean, a skull shaker is pretty rad. That's great. Yeah. Skull everything is pretty much in line with my decor <laughs> sense. Yes. Yes. I can vouch for that. Oh, last Halloween, I still feel bad for not buying it for you. Um, but I, I, I was sorting through old photos the other day and found a picture of this... Um, of this like plastic thing that was in the shape of a pineapple, but the body of the pineapple was made of skulls. <gasps> That's so cool. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, why didn't I why didn't I do that? Maybe, maybe one day, serendipitously, you will <laughs> find it again. You will get another <laughs> chance. The the internet is not an option, as we know. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Mackenzie wrote, I think I've written in once or twice, uh, but when Lauren mentioned that she had one of the T-Rex salt or pepper shakers from Target, I nearly stopped dead in my tracks. My fiancé and I love dinosaurs. One year for a birthday or Christmas, my soon-to-be sister-in-law was at Target and saw these adorable T-Rex salt and pepper shakers, but she couldn't find any of the pepper shakers, so she bought us two of the salt shakers instead. Later, she was able to find a pepper shaker, so for a while, we had three of the T-Rex shakers. We kept the salt and pepper set on the kitchen table and the third one in our um, archaeology slash paleontology themed guest bedroom as decor. Well, as dumb luck would have it, one day I was cleaning and somehow one of the two salt shakers was left on a ledge and was very heartbreakingly knocked off and broke into a bunch of pieces. 
Luckily, we had our extra upstairs, so we still have a matching set, but it was still very sad. I have included a photo of the matching T-Rex shakers and the T-Rex succulent planter my soon-to-be father-in-law also gave us that same year. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I love that your your salt, your single T-Rex shaker has inspired so many uh, uh, to write in. That's so wonderful. And I and I love that your guest bedroom is archaeology paleontology themed. That's yeah. <laughs> That, that is, is awesome. aces. Yes. I love it. Lauren and I, the whole Saber crew is planning a watch party of Jurassic Park one of these days. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. Annie and I have already done that when we were in Hawaii. Yes. Um, one of our, one of our like off nights. So we watched yes. Jurassic Park together and it was great. It was. But now we must do it again with the whole crew. With the whole crew. Yes. Very important. Indeed. Well, if anyone else has these T-Rex shakers, please <laughs> let us know, or any shakers of any kind. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.